0: Welcome to Talk of the Bay. I'm your host, Suki Wessling, and this is the first of two shows in a series on the 2023 Cabrillo Festival of Contemporary Music season. This Thursday at 5, please join us for interviews with Christy Machilaru, um, who's a music director and conductor, and composers Gabriela Ortiz and Anna Klein. Uh, However, today I have some very exciting guests with me three people involved with the festival so Kevin Putz is a Pulitzer Prize winning composer and a Cabrillo Festival favorite this season marks Putz's 12th residency at the Cabrillo Festival and Cabrillo Festival has commissioned or co-commissioned him on five occasions his concerto for orchestra will be featured at the festival's final performance this year on Sunday August 13th welcome Kevin
1: thank you so much
0: There you are. So nice. Where are you calling in from?
1: I'm happy to say I'm in Vail, Colorado. Oh, Um, nice. It's pretty nice. Yeah, my wife uh, is a violinist in the New York Philharmonic, and they have uh, an annual residency here in Vail, so I'm just sort of tagging along. It's great.
0: Lovely. All right. And here in the studio with me... I have Farnaz Fatami, and she's a Santa Cruz Poet Laureate whose debut book, Sister Tongue, was published in September 2022. Farnaz was invited to serve as poet in residence for the festival this year, and I am eager to find out what her plans are in this role. Welcome, Farnaz. Thank you. Lovely to be here. And last but not least, is Ellen Primax. She's been the executive director of the Cabrillo Festival since 1991 and is retiring after this year's festival. I'm looking forward to revisiting some of the highlights of Ellen's career later, but first, I'll just say welcome back to the show, Ellen.
2: Thank you. Pleasure to be here always.
0: So I wanted to ask you to start, Ellen, just by giving us a little quick preview of this season what what what's
2: what's on on the what's on the menu well um it's a really dynamic exciting season that has three percussion concertos so if you know I, our audience anyway loves percussion and we have a plethora of dynamic stars and um and a double bass and a violin concerto that's a world premiere for us commission um, we have are featuring the work of seventeen composers, fourteen of whom will be in residence it's its usual and then some. Um, celebratory occasion music making with a magnificent orchestra that comes in players from all over the country and the world um, to uh, work on this incredible array of new music under the baton of Christy Machelaru who's wonderful and warm and welcoming and um, just a full season of concerts coming up. Uh, One of the things that uh, is, is we like to call our gateway drug into the festival <laughs> if you've never been before. We have open rehearsals um, beginning next Sunday, the 30th, and they're fantastic. You can walk into the Civic Auditorium and experience a full world-class orchestra doing new work with composer-in-residence, uh, very dynamic, exciting, uh, come-and-go, and um, now you can even um, live stream it wow. uh, from home.
0: Excellent. I know I will add that when I had small kids and I wanted to expose them to m- music, I would bring them to open rehearsals. And it was great because, you know, it was just it's very informal and comfortable, mm-hmm. but you get to hear large sections of what's going to be performed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's uh It really is, the festival is really as much about the creative process as that final, you know, exciting uh, pinnacle performance, which is exciting. So I encourage people to get tickets and, and plan to come. Our concerts are the 4th, 5th. Kronos Quartet is coming August 6th. And then our, um, our second weekend is the 12th and 13th of August. And beautiful programs. Truly beautiful, varied programs. Uh, Christy is attracted to um, a diversity of voices and it creates a a magnificent sound world, just all of these different sound worlds, and it's a journey. Mm-hmm. And um, the works he's interested in, and 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 part of our mission is works that are relevant, topical, about social justice, racial justice, environmental justice, and then again. T- a lot of percussion um so it's a really fun season coming up
0: (laughs) well okay maybe i'll ask kevin that question about the (laughs) the the question about why why percussion what is it um and so what we're going to do next is we're going to bring in composer kevin putz and cabrillo festival goers are familiar with your music kevin um i guess it said 12 years so that's pretty exciting Um, and i wanted to first start playing a sample uh, so by by playing a sample, so um, can you give a little sense of what this is? The first movement of Contact.
1: Yeah, this is um, this is a piece I wrote. Um, kind of started a little before the pandemic and composed uh, and and worked on it during the pandemic. It was commissioned by uh, several orchestras for this amazing uh, dynamic string trio called Time for Three. Um, three virtuoso string players, two violinists and bass, who also sing. Um, And they're just one of the most uh, engaging and exciting groups out there. And They asked me to write them a concerto, so a piece for them to play with orchestras. And so I came up with this this four-movement piece called Contact, and we called it, we actually decided to call it Contact. Um, Sort of during the pandemic, we started thinking about what it meant and the we it was a sort of a cosmic feel to the piece that maybe could be reaching out into the universe to to find contact with a you know distant intelligence, but also we th- we're thinking about how much we missed you know human contact uh, uh, of all sorts during the pandemic, and uh, so that's the that's the piece. It's the I think you're going to play the first movement. Um, yeah. We were very fortunate to 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 win two Grammys for this uh, this uh, recording last February. So
0: wonderful. Congratulations. Okay, so 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 here we go for we'll we'll go for a, a minute or two and then we'll talk a little bit about composing in general. So, Kevin, that's so beautiful and it goes, it goes quite a ways away from that. I just wanted to let, let uh, listeners know that that's just the opening and, and you can certainly find it um, streaming online. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's uh, on all the streaming platforms, yes.
0: Okay, wonderful. Mm. So listeners, if you enjoyed that little taste, you can go and and, (laughs) um, stream it or even probably, I'm assuming, buy a CD, which some people still do. Um, (laughs) So, you know, you're a composer at a time when music for many people has become a commodity, like fast fashion. You know, it's something that's just consumed and then forgotten but your music, music requires a, a different sort of attention. So can you describe how you hope listeners will approach your work, especially let's let's talk about when they, if, if they came to a live concert, what would they, what would you hope, how would you hope that they would ready themselves to, to get the most out of music that has sounds that they've never heard before?
1: Well, I think first of all, you know, um, they shouldn't feel any need to be prepared. Um, what I what I try to do as a composer is is to give the listener uh, all the information they need in the music. So, for example, in the piece you just heard, the first thing you hear is these the three guys singing this kind of chorale together, and then the orchestra takes over and plays the same music, and then it sort of gets bigger and bigger. And my my intention is that if you are paying attention, and you know you're listening to that idea. That um, I, I'm taking the listener through the piece in a way that is logical and that um, that uh, assumes that they're remembering the ideas and they want to hear what happens to the ideas uh, throughout the course of you know however long the piece is. In the case of this piece that we just heard a bit of, it's about a half hour long. Um, so you know uh, the piece goes through a lot of different worlds um but in the end it returns to that first idea that you heard and for me when i hear music you know those are the things that are really satisfying to me when i feel that the composer is 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 communicating with me um and developing the ideas that that the audience hears that i hear as a listener um in a way that can be followed and um and hopefully that leads to a kind of storytelling um so i think you know for, for me as a composer i'm not trying to baffle anyone <laughs> as a listener I'm, I'm trying very much to communicate I'm, pr- I'm trying very much to keep the listener engaged that's the that's the challenge for me how do i keep the listener engaged and listening throughout the course of 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 twenty minutes or thirty minutes or in the case of an opera, you know, two hours.
0: Mm-hmm. So. And how do you do that? I mean, so so, what is your process when you're composing for, especially for something big like an orchestra? Mm-hmm. What what is your process for thinking about where you go next? Because one of the things that that modern composers have the whole world of sound at their fingertips which means you have no restrictions which means it's actually harder right mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes 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 so it was it was a little bit easier when you were writing something that had all these rules and you just had to make it pleasant right <laughs> or or yeah. exciting or whatever but what do you do to to keep the re- the listener engaged in what's happening
1: well that's the challenge i mean how much information does the can the audience handle? You know, at what point does it become, you know, tiresome because it's too repetitive? Uh, and then, on the other hand, um, at what point are you are you, you know, thrusting too much information on, on the listener so that they're confused and they don't know what's important? I always think, of, you know, the way I I often talk about this to my students is, like, if you have if you introduce an idea. Um, in a piece, like the musical idea, you have to assu- you have to assume that the audience thinks it 's important and it 's going to return. I always use the analogy of like if a novelist wrote a book and they introduced a character in a lot of detail, you know like in a few pages, and then you never hear from the character again you know, it wouldn 't make any sense and i, I think it 's the same with, with with writing music you know mm-hmm. if i 'm going to say if i 'm going to present an idea and it could be a melody, it could be a uh, I mean it could be a, a harmony, a series of harmonies I'm, I'm not going to let go of it I'm going to do something that the audience will connect it to Oh yeah, we heard that before, but now it's a little bit different um, and, and, and maybe there's a second idea And there's a way that I can combine the first and the second idea together So that there's a kind of synthesis That is, is if, as, as a listener, I mean just when I'm listening to music That's the most satisfying thing Um, So I guess that's how I I try to do it. I try to imagine myself as the listener. Um, And in fact, (laughs) recently, I guess because um, our music is so accessible, the recordings of our music are so accessible through Apple Music and different streaming platforms, I found myself at one point in the car listening to my music, which I never (laughs) really do. But I would say, like, let's listen. And then it was really interesting. Like, I would think, oh, I don't want to hear this one. I don't want to hear this track but why don't i want to hear this track and i started really asking myself what is it about certain music of mine that i that i i find appealing and i want to hear even if i wrote it myself i want to hear it you know just I, i i find it satisfying to listen to and and when is that not the case and i feel like when i'm composing these days um that's kind of my guiding principle like do i want would i want to hear this again um, as you said, you know, music just it's, it comes at us and it's so easily uh, I mean, everything is so accessible that we just we're clicking on things constantly. And when is something what are the attributes of something that makes you want to come back to it mm-hmm. um, more than once or twice or three times? And and for me, you know, the music that I love the most, that's the case. You know, I, I, I just keep coming, at, coming back to it and, and, and I keep finding richness in it and i would love to be able to do that with my music you know even even once <laughs> <laughs> so yeah
0: so, I am here um, talking about the mu- uh the Cabrillo Festival with um, several people who are taking part in the festival and on Thursday, I will have yet another show again at five. The festival takes part takes place in in Santa Cruz um, yearly and it is a it may be very local in some ways but it 's also an internationally known festival and the people who come to this festival. and have their works performed or perform are top-level players. So it's very exciting to be able to present this. Um, We're speaking with Ellen Permek, who is the um, executive director, Kevin Putz, who is a composer, and we will be bringing in Farnaz Fatami very soon to talk about being poet in residence. Um, I wondered, Ellen, if you have a question something that um that you might ask Kevin based on what you hear from listeners uh, because he's been his work has been performed so often
2: mm-hmm. yeah um, I was interesting listening to him because I think no, Kevin, all of your work we want to listen to again and again. There's no problem there. You got that one down. Thank you. You got that one down. Um And, it, you know, it, well, I, I would like to say that we presented Kevin many, many years ago, maybe 20, uh, one yeah. years ago mm-hmm. for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a magnificent piece, moving and uh, you know one of the special things about the festival is watching listening to the evolution of a composer over time, and so our audience and I have had that pleasure with Kevin in particular um and i and um I guess um if I had a question for you, it may be that I know that opera has really captured your imagination. And wonder if going back to something like Contact or the, um, the Concerto for Orchestra, which will be performed here with us on the final night of the festival, August 13, if that's sti- like, do you still find as much juice in that? Are there still new places for you to explore with that?
1: Absolutely, um, yeah. When you said that my music had been presented at uh, the festival twelve times, I really can't believe that. I, I, it, um, it's been such a such a, a warm, kind of nurturing, and also very exciting place for me as as a as a composer. You know, when I I told Ellen this several times, but as soon as I get close to Santa Cruz, there's something that happens to me. I, I don't know what it is about this festival. I I it might come it might come back to the first time that I was uh, uh in residence and I felt kind of intimidated by the whole thing. You know, this these major composers that they were presenting every summer and I was so honored to be part of it. And uh, you know, it's always um a little intimidating to work with an orchestra you haven't worked with before. But I somehow that that, that excitement and I feel my, my heart sort of racing as I as I'm Getting close to the, the you know the first rehearsal or something, and I don't know what it is, but there's a there's an energy to the festival that's really uh, unique. Um, and as far as yeah, I mean, <laughs> opera opera is a is a is a an area of my creative life that came about rather unexpectedly uh, around 2010 uh, when I was asked to write an opera based on a, a film um, about the First World War and. Um, it felt very natural to do it, even though I had no experience in opera and almost none writing for voice um, but I think because of as I mentioned before, the storytelling aspect of my music, um, even if there's not a literal story going on, um, I'm thinking of of things in a very narrative way, and I think that comes from certain music that I've always loved, but also film music you know, I grew up listening to to and going to see films and and um i think the storytelling uh genius of of all, of my favorite film composers inspire it continues to inspire me and so it yeah i'm i i'm someone who likes to do everything you know uh i mean i like to write string quartets and you know every time anyone asks me to write a piece i'm interested in the idea of it whether or not i have time to do it or not so um uh, yeah it's the the creative juice is still there for me i'm happy to say i'm 51 and i and and i uh i feel like i could do it you know forever there's something uh always engaging and interesting about not knowing you know where something's going to go where is a piece going to go and that's exciting for me
0: well, thank you, Kevin. I'm really looking forward to hearing your piece. I'm going to be thank there. You. And I urge everyone, this is Kevin Putz, um, spelled like the verb, and you can <laughs> you can go and and look up his music online and, and stream some of it. And you, you said people don't have to be prepared, but I sort of feel like a lot of people think that contemporary music is going to be really aggressive and discordant. And, you know, it, it can be that, but it can be Anything I mean, as we mm-hmm. heard the the beauty of your opening there on on the piece that I played, mm-hmm. and I want to move to um, Farnaz Fatimi, who is the poet in residence, and if you don't know what that means, well fine because I don't know either. so that is going to be my first question, but before I ask that question, I'm going to ask Farnaz to read us something.
3: Oh sure, happy to thank you. Well, I brought a poem that I wrote that was uh, that was put to It was put to music by um, a composer friend, Alexander Gardner, who's in Baltimore, and this was for soprano and piano, and it was premiered last year. And I thought, you know, the marrying of poetry and music um, is what we're doing. And so this is called Incantation. My patch of dirt is like the belly of the Buddha, which I'd rub if I could. I weed it free of invasives. Gloves keep the sting of the leaves off my fingers. Nettle, oxalis, bindweed. Cultivate soil to change the future. Here's a seed to burst from its hull and bring news. Or, if not news, a daydream. Furtive, caught by chance. From the song spattered sky and that's beautiful, thank
0: you the song spattered sky <laughs> seemed
3: appropriate as well
0: yes so. indeed, and you know i the the origin of the the connection between poetry music and music is extremely deep. Poetry was originally sung, and often so that like for example Homer's um epics were sung chanted because you couldn't possibly memorize that whole thing without music Mm -hmm. so there is this and and even when when poets read there's music there so first tell us what what your job is in broad terms and what you hope to bring to it specifically to be composer in residence at the Cabrillo Festival of Contemporary Music.
3: Sure. Well, um, I I think there's uh, probably many many ways I could do my job as poet in residence. Um, uh, Ellen, when Ellen invited me to to do to serve in this role, we sat and talked about what that could be. It Could be many things, um, and I know that there's been a few for the festival. But it was it's great to be asked while I'm county poet laureate because it feels like part of the job of poet in res- residence for a. A festival that is based in uh, this place is to 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 sort of bring community together to connect the the festival with community by thinking about poetry to speak to what's happening. Um, And so those are in the general terms, um, I think a way that, a, that a, there could be a figure doing that with some language. Um, we came up with some um, plans that I'm really excited about. So um, as Poet in Residence, one thing, which is a, the smallest part for me, but I will be writing a poem for the opening evening, which will be um, part of the, the free talk before the opening concert on Friday, August 4th and um, that I will present a poem that is specifically written for the festival. And, um, and I'm, I'm terribly excited to introduce the festival that way, but we're getting, we're getting started this week actually. So um, as, as poet in residence, I will be curating a community poem that will be written in collaboration with anyone who wants to contribute. And so starting um, half an hour ago, there is already live information on the Cabrillo Music uh, CabriodMusic dot org uh, website about my role and this community poem. And so, every few days, um, a new set of prompts will be uh, posted, unveiled there, with an invitation for anyone. Again, listeners can do that right now um, to submit a line or a phrase. In response to the prompts and the, the initial prompts are obviously not related to, the, to the, the program that's coming up because we don't have it yet. But it is about memories of the festival or um, the essence of the festival and what keeps people coming back because it's, it's such a great tradition here. For mm-hmm. sure, um, and then starting with open rehearsals both weeks, we'll have new prompts available in the um, in the in the same site, and I can I'll talk more about logistics too if I, um, when you want. Um, but that people can contribute to those prompts, people should come back and check them; they will change. Uh-huh. So right now, people have the next week to, to respond to the first ones, and then in addition to being online, this I feel like is maybe an the most organic piece of it is that I will be at many of the open rehearsals, but also poetry donation boxes will be at many of those <laughs> rehearsals in the lobby. Poetry and donations, I yes, love it. <laughs> I know, I, I I do too. I think that's such a good idea. And um, and the prompts will be available in good old fashioned paper, and you can you can fill out a. Um, your prompt and drop it in a box and there will also be in the lobby and in the rehearsals QR codes that will link you to the site that I just talked about for for those of us who have forgotten how to hand (laughs) write yes or or you get your best inspiration when you're typing a little phrase on your phone and that Uh happens so we want people to to be in the moment and feel like they can do that
0: Mm -hmm. Ellen talk a little bit about this in in a broader sense what did the the festival hope to
2: do with having a poet Well, the festival has had three former poets in residence, um, wonderful community members, Joan Zimmerman and Gary Young, and then um, Megan Levad, who was here in 2019. She was the librettist for When There Are Nine. And this year, the program itself, including Kevin's work, Um, there are works that are inspired by poetry and um, Kevin's work was inspired by Amanda Gorman's uh, Hymn for the Hurting and the final piece of the festival a new work by Anna Klein was inspired by Mary Oliver's Wild Geese and for the festival Again, so much is about the creative process and about engaging community and not just about music, but how we relate to the program of the music, the messages of the music, the ability to come in and out of that space and community, and so wanting to broaden that. So um, when uh, we heard that Farnas was our next um, poet, laureate, it seemed like a perfect match. Mm -hmm. And, um, and definitely the idea of engaging the community to participate in that, to go to open rehearsals, to go to concert, to feel inspired, to find a phrase, a, a lyrical something, something that resonated for them, and then to give it to another artist to create it in yet another art form feels perfect. And that piece will be gifted, to our community um, in the fall when um, when Fernaz has done that after the season, so it'll be an evolving kind of language, and and then we'll see what she makes of it all.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm really, you know, I'm thinking about how much material is you're going to get, and I do community poems in my writing classes with kids, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's like I I, tr- I try to restrict it because you look at this
3: stop it this
0: is like oh this is so much how am I going to turn this into something that's going to be quite a challenge
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it but I think it's true that the that one of the exciting parts for me is just the engagement with the other arts and the way that the the sort of cauldron of all of that that Ellen just described will you know move me to do the next thing whatever mm-hmm. that is yeah I, I hope we have many responses and I, and I hope it is a, about sort of really deep listening on my part to what's coming out Uh
0: and i you know it's interesting because we've got a little theme going here talking about about the fact that that classical music is seen as somewhat esoteric and and separated from the people but really this festival has never been like that i mean Mm -hmm. i i I was i saw somebody put out an invitation and they said you don't have to dress up now I have to dress up because you know. I mean, I hardly ever get to wear nice clothes in Santa Cruz, so I dress up. But you don't have to. People just come as they are, and all sorts of people come. Yeah. It's really fascinating. And you have a, a special this this year, right? That um, that pe- you can bring young people for a, a reduced price. Is that right?
2: Yeah, we have a youth. We have had a youth ticket. We the what's different this year is that we raised the level to thirty. Um, so um, twenty dollars gets you into any concert and pretty much any seat. Yeah. So-, so so
0: thirty. I mean that means that that you're you if you have college kids, you're listening to this and you're thinking my yeah. college kids need to broaden their horizons. If you have teenagers or if you if you are a young adult, and we all know how hard it is to be a young adult living and working in the most expensive s- area in the country. We have listeners who live out in Prunedale, and and they they're like going, "Hey, you should come to Prunedale." <laughs> but <laughs> but here in Santa Cruz, where the studio is located, uh-huh. yeah, we got a lot of a lot of young people who don't have a lot of extra yeah. cash. In so between wonderful.
2: open rehearsals and a youth price, it really should be accessible mm-hmm. to people, which is our goal and hope. Excellent.
0: Well, we are speaking right now, this is Talk of the Bay, we are speaking about the Cabrillo Festival of Contemporary Music, which you can find more information about at cabriomusic.org, right? I was like, oh, all of a sudden, I don't have that written down in front of me. cabriomusic.org. And there's lots of information about the different composers. And you probably can't go wrong if you don't know anything about any of them. Just, you know, um, close your eyes and point at a date and see what, what you get. <laughs> so so I do recommend that people know nothing about who know nothing about this, um, please consider uh, trying it out. There's so many great opportunities. We're going to take a little short break and we will be right back. And you are listening to talk of the Bay on K Squid, and we're really excited to support the Cabrillo Festival this week. This is tonight's show is almost over. We are going to have our last segment talking about the festival's long reach under under Ellen um, Primack, who's here, and then on Thursday we will have the festival. Um, musical director Christy Majolaru and two of the composers um, come and and not come because they won't be physically here, unfortunately, but they will, through the magic of the Internet, be here uh, in our ears. So, Ellen, you gave me a piece that you want me to play. I asked you for a piece that might be a good jumping-off point for talking about the fact that you have been directing the festival for how many years?
2: I have been with... This will be my 33rd season. I've not been executive director that whole time, Um, but um, yes... Um, the better part of its life and my life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, and I have been going for much of that time, and and it's funny because you're you're a very visible figure because you're walking around when no one else is. So so it's 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 going to be weird next year, but I guess you'll you'll probably it's going to be, gonna there, be so. grand. I
2: will be there. I will be cheering on the sidelines while O'Reilly takes the mantle. I'm excited. <laughs> okay,
0: so tell us a little bit about the piece that you want me to play a a selection of
2: uh the piece i selected is gabriella smith's um contrail oh tumbleweed contrails and it's a it's a fascinating she's fascinating she is featured this season on august 12th uh but she she came to us very young. It was a commission from the um, Pacific Harmony Foundation. John Adams and his wife, uh, Deborah O'Grady, uh, commissioned her. She was very young. And we commissioned her later to do another work. And now this incredible talent, young woman who grew up in the Bay Area, who takes field recordings of the ocean and nature and is really engaged with um, the environment and climate crisis has just had her works, you know, premiered at LA Phil and the New York Phil is coming up and just watching and listening to this burgeoning talent. Um, that I think is the essence of the festival and of new music and listening to the next and um, and it. And it's hard to believe it's an orchestra when you start. Okay. So listen for nature and know that it's just orchestra playing.
0: Okay, listen for nature. Here we go. so that was a selection from um, Tumbleweed Contrails, and when you said Listen for Nature, I love that you said that, and one of the things I want to point out is that you often, at the festival, you have the composer say a few words. And they might say something like that.
2: It is. It it's really at the core of the festival. First off, the composers are there through the rehearsal and performance of the works, and they introduce the works um, on their performance night, and they're also involved in meet the composer forums. But that voice um, that is that that is the connection um, to the audience and. Um, Making it alive and real and happening in this moment. Mm-hmm.
0: I love the the contrast with what we listen to from Kevin and that because because Kevin's piece, although very modern, had what you would call notes and a melody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, Kevin, you're you're still there. I'm going to bounce this to you when you listen to this and your music is so different can you just say a little bit about the breadth of of modern music
1: yeah i mean i'm kind of i'm i'm really old-fashioned and i i don't (laughs) i don't belong on a lot (laughs) (laughs) in some ways i don't feel like i belong on a lot of these concerts because i'm so i'm I'm so stuck in, in like I'm so rooted in, in you know, a kind of an older approach to. For sure, you can't, you can't,
0: see what Ellen's doing. She's. Like, no, I know what Ellen's doing, <laughs> but, it's, but, but no, it's it's. I mean,
1: I, I'm I'm very much rooted in a sort of um, you know, harmony and and melody, and um, I'm still trying to to grapple with those things in in my music, and you know, when I hear Gabriella's piece, I mean, it's just it's so engaging. And and it makes me think. Well, I got to push myself a little more. <laughs> 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 uh, but she, you know, there there is so much out there um, these days. That's what's so exciting about uh, about contemporary classical music. Uh, for that. that's the term we're stuck with. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and it's all at the Cabrillo Festival. Uh-huh. I mean, they they encompass such a a wide range of expressive uh, palettes and. Um, it's 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 for me, you know. It's great to hear my music played so beautifully every time I'm I'm at the festival. But also, I just like to sit in rehearsals and sit with the composer and look at the score, and, and yeah. I learn something. Yeah. And I learn something every year.
0: Yeah, Farnaz, um, when you were listening to this piece, did you what words might have come to your mind?
3: Uh, Yeah, mostly it was images. So language didn't come first, but Uh images did. But um, I was I was actually trying to spell the sounds of what I was listening to, Uh which is, you know, a prompt in itself Uh (laughs) to spell sounds. Um, But yeah, I was I mean, I was very much engaged with the animals that I kept hearing coming through, (laughs) um, along with other nature, but Uh very animal. Yeah.
0: yeah, and it, it, just listening to that, I was thinking about your project and thinking that what what it's going to inspire people to write because I know right. I am someone who always brings a notebook to concerts yeah. and that's I, I often just write about stuff that has nothing to do with the music right. but it somehow is connected in my brain. Doors so. get opened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is
2: one of the things that I love about the festival is. Everybody has their own story and way of approaching it. And in rehearsals, there are people, there are people with sketch pads, mm. there are people writing, there are people writing poetry. I, we get beautiful poems sent mm. to us, and the composers are because the festival is a local, regional phenomenon for audiences. But also, as Kevin was saying, there aren't that many opportunities for composers to be in the presence of other living composers, mm-hmm. and hear these sound worlds. And I do think it inspires. I know it inspires. They inspire one another. Mm-hmm. And that it's, and friendships have emerged from this. And collaborations have emerged from this. And um, and that is one of the magical, amazing things about the festival that puts it on the national and international landscape. Because there is really no other place that's doing it um, at in the way that we're doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, in the time when when you first came to the festival, how much did you know about contemporary
2: music? Oh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I, I honestly I'm not a musician. My first love was visual arts when I was in my when I was still in college, I decided since I wasn't an artist, I would use the skills I had and develop the skills I had to support artists. I was programming um music in the dorms and visual arts in the dorms um in college and I just wanted to do that always. So I when I came here, um, Tom hired me to do marketing and whatever. The, the, the thing for me about choosing the festival was that it was about living artists because that mm-hmm. was my personal mission, um, not institutions or, or um, museum kind of. I wanted to support living artists, and I feel fortunate to have been able to spend my entire career doing just that. Uh-huh.
0: And so before this festival, before you start when you first started working for the festival, what would you say what were your
2: musical tastes? Did what did you listen to? Oh. It certainly I mean even though my father always listened to classical and jazz, it's for me it was certainly not orchestral um or classical for that matter. Um, it was popular music, mm-hmm. you know, um Phoebe Snow and Armor um, Traden and um <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um yeah, Michael Franks. It was yeah. an array, but um it was not uh jazz uh-huh. for sure. Yeah.
0: And I, well and I know Kevin that if I'm not mistaken you wrote a piece inspired by Bjorn, right?
1: By by Bjork, yeah. Bjork, yeah. sorry, yeah. Yeah. Bjork. Bjork. Yeah. Though I should, though I should write a tennis piece. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was the
1: big tennis <laughs> person. <laughs> I,
0: I was, I was apparently yeah. channeling my my um, baby baby wearing days.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> yes I, I, we. Yes, I remember yeah. those those uh, harnesses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, yes, I did. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of the way I. Kind of work you know so I'll hear something or'll or I'll hear of something in the case of the piece that they're doing at Cabrillo this year that that just sort of uh, it's it provides a kind of entryway into the piece um, and I heard Bjork's album Vespertine I heard a couple of songs from it when I was in Rome and I and, uh, and my friend told me who she was and I, <laughs> I was such an idiot I didn't I didn't really <laughs> know her music and so I was just so astounded I wanted to do something that it was like a reflection of of what I was hearing in the, uh, with the orchestra. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So, so the connection is there. It, you know, and and the connection has never not been there in classical music, right? That we've had classical composers drawing from the the folk music around them since absolutely since the beginning of time. Yes. So, um, mm-hmm. it's it's always been a partnership with the with the culture, and mm-hmm. um, so so Ellen when. When you look back at the festival, what are some major themes that you feel are um, that that you so so you mentioned the development of careers are there other major themes that you can think of that the festival um, that gives meanings that you take from from its its evolution at, while you've been there
2: well, i I think certainly Christie's artistic vision and the um, desire to be more reflective of this world and time and the issues we face and be more relevant to more people has really, um, we were kind of ahead of this curve in every regard um, from the time he started in 2017. So I think there's deep meaning in the programming that we do, um, that uh, a lot of people can, if, if they get past the barriers that they think might confront them, they'll find that there is space for them there. I think um, the deep relationships we've created with our patrons um You know, in supporting commissions and supporting artists over their career here and beyond. Kevin's a classic um, uh, example of that. But um, our patrons, our audience um, are such open-minded, warm-hearted people, articulate, who you're going to get a lot (laughs) of lovely poetry lines, um, who care deeply uh, from the sense of um, exploring ideas and intellectual ideas and music and sound and be, being just open. And I think that has always been the case uh, from the earliest days with Bob Hughes, who will honor this year in his memory, um, one of the founders, and Lou Harrison. It's just an openness, uh, willingness to... Um, ah, just be together in a creative space. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other thing I'd say about the festival, because I've been saying it a lot lately, because people have been asking me, and just uh, to quote Bell Hooks, it's all about love. And this is a place that people can come and feel embraced and comfortable and in a creative spirit and feel the love.
0: hmm Well, that's beautiful. I feel like we should end right now, but <laughs> it's not time yet. <laughs> so with this, with this season, um, i'm I'm certainly going to ask christie his his view of what how he puts puts things together musically, but do the festival organizers think about what sort of like do do you as a group think about
2: a theme or a structure for it or anything? You know the biggest gift we give to our music director is a blank canvas and the ability to paint. Um, what they believe is um, artistically and um, and from a, a standpoint of meaning uh, important so Christie Christy and I do work together on the program we have to, I have to um, uh, negotiate with our you know artists and such and see if they're available and what weeks and then put it together but um, the any themes kind of emerge from where Christy's, artistic impetus is coming from and he has the freedom to do that and so far so good (laughs) um so very very good uh Uh, so that that's the gift to a music director Mm -hmm. and you know to the orchestra the gift is being with one another playing at the top of their game getting to do work that they wouldn't get to do elsewhere and all doing it as volunteers they are volunteers they come for a per diem They are volunteers and committed to learning this work, which they already have. They have a month before they come. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, we, um, you know, I act as an artistic administrator to the music director. And that's a thrill. That's been a thrill for me. Mm -hmm. And that connects me to the artists um, and to commissioning and to these long, deep relationships with people like Kevin and Gabriella and and others and Anna Um, who's writing a work in my honor this season and um, those kinds of things are um, yeah
0: that's got to be wonderful well anyone who goes will I'm sure see you out on the floor so um, so Ellen is is retiring after all this time shepherding the festival along And, and who's your
2: replacement Riley Nicholson will start on October 1st, uh, but he is actually coming to the festival, and he's going to give a pre-rehearsal talk mm-hmm. on August 3rd, so Excellent. people can see him then and hear about the program. He is a composer and a pianist and um, and an extraordinary arts administrator. Wonderful. So... Listeners, you have
0: been listening to Talk of the Bay, and we've been speaking about the Cabrillo Festival of Contemporary Music. And in case you're interested in learning more about the festival and this season's concerts, you can visit cabrillomusic.org. So I want to say thank you to Ellen Primack, Kevin Putz, and Farnaz Fatemi for joining me. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. It was great to talk to you all on Thursday at five PM, you can join me again for interviews with Christy Machilaru, um, the festival's musical music director and conductor, and also composers Gabriela Ortiz and Anna, Anna Klein. And please check ksqd.org for a podcast of this show with links to information we've discussed. You can subscribe to our Um, podcast stream on major podcasting platforms make sure to to search for talk of the bay ksqd so you actually find it and we just have an extra minute and i sort of plan that because i want to um it's it's sort of repeating but i'm going to play the opening to um kevin's piece again as we transition over to first person singular and then peace talks radio